It is my pleasure to introduce to some of you and to reacquaint uh, with others of you this dear sister of mine. Our relationship began probably close to eight years ago now when I got a call from Sue Floyd and said, there's this person named Gloria Sennett who has, who's thinking about being part of your church. And I would strongly encourage you that if, if she's wanting to be part, that you get a hold of her like soon. And then Sue said this, and I found this to be true. This woman hears from Jesus. Man, have we found that to be true. You're going to hear from God today. God's going to speak through Gloria. Why don't you come on up, Gloria? Is she on? Say something. Hello. <laughs> Can I pray for you? You better. You prayed enough for me. Father, I have anticipated this day. And what makes me excited is so have you anticipated this day. I pray that you speak through my sister on a subject that's near to your heart and very dear to the way she lives her life. She opens up the word. Speak through her. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you'll say. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor, but I have to pray just one prayer. Oh, glory. Father God, I step aside. You be our instructor, our teacher, our counselor. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Well, if one was to have a theme song, He Touched Me would be mine. He touched me. Oh, those of you who know Jesus, do you remember that first touch? I've had many, but oh, I remember that one. 1968, the night before Thanksgiving, I fell on my knees at the kitchen table, not believing it is possible to have my sins forgiven. But I said, oh God, if it's so, I'm yours. It was so, I am his. Hallelujah. There's a saying that says, those who have been forgiven much, loveth much. And oh, glory, that is my case. Mm. To know that first time that you are clean and you are pure and all that filth is washed away. You don't want to let go of it. And I can remember waking up the next morning just to see, did it take? And sure enough, it did. Oh, glory. I was 23 years old. And I did whatever the church told me to do. They said, pray every day. I prayed every day. They said, read your word every day. I read the word every day. They said, you get to church? I got to church. And I was the pastor's best person in the 
congregation because I lived on his word. Whatever he said, I did it. And uh, two months after I was saved, I was um, to go visit my brother in Hawaii. But the Sunday sermon that Sunday was that never say no to God. That if he calls you to do something, he will always give you the ability to do it. So never say no to God. So off I go on the airplane, and I'm over in Hawaii, and I stake out a little church, and I get there Sunday morning, and a little old lady, remember, this is a 23-year-old looking at it now. <laughs> this little old lady, she comes to me, and she welcomes me, and she said, are you going to be our piano player today? And I, my heart starts beating, and I think, well, and, and I remember, I can't say no to God. And, and he'll give me the ability to do it. So shakingly, uh, praying and playing a piano in front of a lot of strangers, I said, I guess so. And she said, well, you seem a little hesitant, so uh, we'll just see what else God brings. And a little later, she comes over to me and she says, you know, there's a young man from the Navy station who's here today, and he's played some piano, so she will just go with whoever's had the most experience. How much have you played? And I said, oh, I've never played a day in my life. <laughs> but you see, I just believed. And there was a difference between, which I didn't know, but for your sakes, I know now. There's a difference between being called by God to do something and being asked to do something within the church. <laughs> So, for your sake, if you came to hear a sermon this morning, it isn't going to happen because I have not been called to preach. <laughs> and so I tell you that, but also a reminder to myself that I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher, but I love the Lord and I love his word. And I like to chew on his word. I also am very much aware of the honor the privilege, responsibility that comes with standing here. And I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to be able to do that. First and foremost, prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. I believe Pastor Impelzenda's day is going to be different because I prayed for them today. Now, I believe my day is going to be different because I prayed for them, because in obedience to the word, I have prayed for them, and so a blessing falls on me. But, oh, people, I believe your day is going to be different because I've been praying for you for four months since Pastor called me. I've been praying for you. I believe your day is going to be different. And I believe my family's day is going to be different from the oldest to the youngest because I prayed for them individually. Even that one-year-old great-grandbaby, her day is going to be different. Maybe her teeth won't hurt so much when they come in. But I pray daily. And I'm so thankful that that was a lesson I learned many years ago, probably maybe two years after I was saved, uh, my daughter said, 
I'm telling this story on one of my daughters. <laughs> Without permission, I have to say. <laughs> By the way, this is my family in the front row up here. <laughs> so if you don't know her, I won't point her out. <laughs> but I was learning that prayer makes a difference. And so I tried to um, give a prayer every time they left for school. Hit and miss the best. Uh, I believe she was in second grade, and uh, school had been on for about a month, and her sister came running in the house. I can't tell the story without saying the name, I'm sorry, but she comes running in the house. Laura May's in trouble, she got in trouble at school, and she's got a note from the teacher. So <laughs> by the time my daughter Laura got to the door, I could see two things. She was guilty, <laughs> and she was scared. And she comes with big brown eyes, and she hands me this teacher's note. And the note says, Mrs. Sennett, I'm writing this letter, this note, because I'm concerned for your daughter, Laura May. I have had to discipline her numerous times today because of her behavior. And it is so out of character with her that I'm concerned that something is troubling her, and so perhaps you can talk to her. Oh, Mama's heart's breaking. What's going on with my little girl? Kids picking on her? What? what? Oh, my baby. So I say to her, Lormay, this isn't like you. Tell me what it is. And she starts crying. Mom, it's all your fault. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I said, Laura May, I wasn't even in school today. And she says, I know it, but you didn't give us a prayer today. And when I don't get that prayer, I just get all out of sorts. <laughs> You see, it was true. Prayer makes a difference. And what God showed me that in that instant, from that dear little girl, is that I sewed all those cute little dresses. I took them to school got their new shoes and their new socks, their new underwear, and when it come to school supplies, no little small crayons would do for my babies. No, sir, they got that great big box with whatever it is. They got everything. But God said, so does the atheist mama love their children. So do the unsaved. You have something that you can give that they cannot, and that is a prayer covering. And so from that day forward, they can testify that probably on one hand, in the 16 years, by the time all of the kids got through school, maybe five times, we missed that prayer. It might have been a rush, but they got that prayer. Now, when my son was senior in high school, he would do anything to fight to get that prayer. But his buddy, who lived right down the school bus, he would come up because he wanted that prayer. And so uh, I would give him the prayer. Prayer makes a difference. That young man got married and had a little girl, and I get a phone call many years later. And uh, 
He said, Mrs. Sennett, this is Kurt Knowles. Do you remember me? And I said, well, of course, Kurt, I remember you. I, how are you doing? He said, well, Mrs. Sennett, not so well. My little girl is sick, and the doctors don't know what's wrong, and I was wondering if you could pray. You see, prayer means a difference because he remembered years ago. So I said, Kurt, of course I'll pray. So I prayed for him over the phone. I prayed for the rest of the week, and a week later I get a phone call. Mrs. Sennett, I just want to thank you. After you prayed, the, God, the doctors found out what was wrong with my little girl. And she's doing much better. Glory. Prayer makes a difference. So there isn't a question that prayer makes a difference. Jesus even told us, when you pray. But if we're going to really understand prayer, we need to know why. Why pray? God is good. He's all-powerful. He's complete, able to do all things. God is good. God is love. And it's his desire to have his people live in love and peace and health. It is his desire to reserve and de res preserve and deliver us from trouble. God desires to protect, provide, and prosper us. That's all in his word. Right. By the way, folks, this is going to be something that you may not have heard, but it's all right here. Luke 2, 3, 4, Psalms 32, 7, Psalms 18, 2, and Deuteronomy 32, 10. That's what the Bible says. So if God is all of those things, why doesn't he just get her done? Why doesn't he just do it? From Genesis to Revelation, it's very clear. God is love. God wants to be loved. He desires to have conversation, to share hearts. He wants relationships. See, God's no different than you and I. God wants to be loved. But unless there's choice, there's no love. Or... We can only love if we have a choice. And so God created man and woman in his own image with choice. Now, there's a misconception in Genesis 1 and 2 that will affect our prayer life if we don't get it straightened out. One is, is that that Garden of Eden was so perfect that Adam and Eve didn't have to do anything in it. The second thing is that it was only after Adam and Eve sinned and got kicked out that they had to prosper the earth or go out and subdue it. And the other one is, is that after he made this wonderful garden and created Adam and Eve, he just took off and every once in a while check in to see, make sure that they were behaving themselves. None of those things are true. From the very beginning, it was relationship. From the very beginning, it was relationship. When he made those animals, he shared it with Adam. 
my granddaughter, they just got a new puppy. And the excitement of going to see the puppy, and then what are we going to name it? It was family. It was family. And that's what it was with Adam and Eve. The scripture says that God brought them, each one, to Adam to name. And it was like God saying, what are you going to name that one over there in the pond, Adam? And Adam looks at it and says, mm, that's kind of an ugly one. I don't know, she's kind of fat in the hips, maybe hippopotamus. And, and he says, yeah. They laugh and they say, yeah, family, togetherness. That's what it was all about from the very beginning. From the beginning of time, humans forever were to forever be God's link to authority and activity on earth. God chose from time of creation to work through his people, never independently. That's a quote from Dutch Sheets. You see, scripture truly tells us God limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to work through his people. God limits himself. He's all-powerful but he limited from the time of beginning to work through his people. Now, scripture is full of that. Mark 6, 10, 11, Mark 9, 38, 1 Kings 18, Deuteronomy 10, 12. But I like Ezekiel 22, 30 best because he says he searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap. God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's always looking. God's waiting to work with his people. God's plan hasn't changed. August 27th, 2017, plans haven't changed. His love still holds. The Holy Spirit lives in each of us to teach, instruct, and counsel. Jesus wants to intercede on our behalf, but he's waiting. Waiting for us to choose. Waiting for us to call on him to pray. E.M. Bond said, God shapes the world through prayer. John Wesley said, God does nothing on earth save an answer to a believer's prayer. Why pray? Because God needs a prayer. If it isn't getting done, we would do well to look in the mirror. God needs our prayer. He wants fellowship. He's waiting. Once we grasp what God's relationship for us is, that it's a partnership, it's family, scripture becomes sweeter. Understanding prayer becomes tender. And it should drive us in his presence. I can remember that day that this truth was given to me many years ago. Uh, I'm afraid I didn't respond in that way. I didn't like it. I had to go back and check scripture just to make sure that that's what it was saying. 
Number one, I didn't want the responsibility, and I didn't think it was fair. And quite honestly, I liked it better before I knew about it. But I remember his conversation. And by the way, I refer many times to conversations that God and I have. But we do. We talk. Can you hear it? Okay. Uh, and he just told me, Gloria, ignorance is no excuse. Someday, you will have to stand before me and be accountable for everything you did after the day of your salvation. Will you trust me? Will you walk with me? Will you journey with me? Because, oh, it will be sweet. And right there, it was another surrender. And he touched me. Oh, what joy that filled my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. So when we look at the scriptures today, and we have, the, do you have those up there? The next one's just, uh, we're studying Colossians 6, 2. not, that's okay. Do we have them? No. If you want to turn in your word, um, Colossians 6, 2, Matthew 6, 6, and Matthew 26, 41. And in your handout that you might have uh, got at the, we will be covering some of these. And the first one is devote yourself to prayer keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, what I'm giving you today is what I call God's blueprint of prayer. This is God's blueprint of prayer. And then Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Matthew 26, 41 Keep watching and praying that you may enter into may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is not. Is that working all right? Can you hear me? I didn't, okay. The first thing we need to look at is devote. The word devote. That is purposely giving. God says. He, God wants a relationship with us, but we have to choose him. We have to devote. We have to plan. And then Jesus' words is telling us, find that inner room. Find that place and shut the door and spend time with me. If you're not having answer to your prayer, I can almost guarantee it's because you're not in that inner room. Um, my husband was a truck driver. And um, those first years that we were um, married were tough financially. And so instead of taking a um, vacation, he would work the whole year, draw the paycheck, pay the bills, and just keep working. Um, so he wasn't home very much. And when he was home, uh, we tried to spend time with the family. 
Of course, for me, that meant going for a drive. So after this man put in hours of driving a truck, we would go for a drive to have family time, which I found out later, the kids hated those drives. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but that was, that was it. But one thing we did do is we devoted. We schemed and we planned so that we could have this time set aside for me to take my vacation. And so we would look at it and see, and maybe the school was out or whatever, and those kids were shipped off to grandma's. I packed my suitcases, and in the truck I went with Lou for one whole week. And there we were, cocooned in the cab of that truck. The world passing us by. But in the cab of that truck, we reconnected. We were able to share our hearts. I remember one time Lou telling me that um, he shared a dream that he had for himself when he retired, and it was so out of character with him, it surprised me. Because it's not as what I knew him. But in that camp, for that short time, he was able to share his dream. We could talk about all sorts of things. It was during that time that in that secretness, in that little compartment, that God would alert us to where the devil might be trying to get into and tempt us on our marriage. And on that ride home, we had an attitude of thanksgiving. Not only for what we had in the past, what we had now, and what we would have in the future. Oh, people, that's what that inner room is. That's what that inner room is, to share his heart, to share his heart, talk to each other. And it's at these times that he can alert you, me, to where the devil's going to come in. It's where he can share his dreams that he has for you in that inner room, that quiet time. And see, that love for Lou and I, it drove us to try to get that thing, that time together. And that's what it should be for our love for Jesus. It should drive us to that inner room where we want to pray. So I've had people come and Ask me, you know, I want to know about prayer. How do I pray more? Just want a relationship with him. Want a relationship with him enough to give up. And there was a time in 1985 where my, you know, I might have made it into heaven, but my prayer life wasn't all that great. And he finally said, Gloria, you're not going to ride the fence anymore. Who are you going to choose? Like, Peter, where would I go? And I knew I needed that quiet time. But I also knew me well enough to know that, God, I can only promise you five minutes a day. I can only promise you five minutes a day, but I promise you that for the rest of my life, I will give you five minutes a day. And people, five minutes a day amounts to one proverb, and praying for my family. And this is what I found out. 
He was so eager to spend that time with me. He blessed that day. And those five minutes turned into 10 minutes and then 15 and then 30 and till what it is today. Mm, glory. I don't know what I would do without talking to him every day. Ah, he wants that. So the blueprint is just what Jesus said. Come to your inner room. Share your secrets. I'll share mine. And he says he will repay. He'll repay the time that you've even given him. If you just give it to him. So if these scriptures are what is entailed for blueprint prayer, what I'm going to give you next is answer to prayer. And here it talks about our speech. And there is power in the tongue. The first one just talks about our speech being with grace. Simply put, that just says we are to be imitators of Jesus Christ. And our words should be such. But this other thing about salt, um, you know, I've heard it a long time. We're to be the salt of the earth and all of that stuff. But what is salt? It's a seasoning. But I wanted to know, God, why salt and why not pepper or nutmeg? They're also seasons. So I said, as I was studying for this, I said, God, why is that salt? And just as clearly as anything, he says, why don't you look it up? <laughs> so I said, well, all right, God, I guess I will. And this is what I found out. Salt was ceremonially used by the Jewish people to bless things. It was a symbol of purity. It was a symbol of healing. And salt was used to seal covenants. Salt was and is used as a preservative. It does this by drawing out all the liquid and all the moisture until only the substance is left. You see, the purity, this healing, all of that is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to do in those quiet times of prayer is pull out all that garbage within us, change us into his likeness until we have the substance of the Holy Spirit within us. Mm, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Here's what you need to know about salt. Salt can only lose its saltiness when it is diluted, polluted, or touches an unclean substance. So that goes for our life too. We can have that spirit within us, but it can be diluted and not have the effect by the way we speak. When we are spewing ungodly words, speaking in a way other than Christ would have us speak, it wounds and grieves the Holy Spirit because he died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to act that way. 
God's word is spiritual law. And it says we reap what we sow. It's so with our prayer life. It's so with our personal life. And it's so with our finances. We reap what we sow. Scripture says that our tongue holds life and death. When our words are not measuring up, to the character of Jesus Christ, it stops those prayers. Amen. Kills those prayers. They cannot take off. So people, God wants to be touched. He wants to touch each one of us. So, are you interested in a fresh touch? Are you interested in a fresh touch? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Do you want that fresh touch? Have you ever had that first touch? Oh, glory. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, what joy that filled my soul. Something happened. And now I know. Oh, glory. I'm whole. You'll notice, daughters, I didn't try to sing that. That's a little joke within us. So I had to learn that singing wasn't my forte either. The Holy Spirit has been here today. He's here now. And I would just like to suggest that if you've never known him, now's the day to get that touch. But oh, if you've known him for five years, 50 years, today's the day for a fresh touch. Ask him all over again. Start fresh. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I want that fresh touch. I'll give you five minutes. I'll get into your word. Come touch me. Will you stand and let us sing?